Hey, listener, this is Josh Elledge, CEO of UpMyInfluence.com. We are actively seeking guests for our daily commercial-free entrepreneurial inspiration podcast. If you know someone who is doing six to eight figures in business, send them our way. Just go to UpMyInfluence.com slash guest. Let's get on with the show. All right, with us right now, the founder of Play Louder, Joe DeSanto, down, just down I-4 from me uh, over in Tampa. Joe, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Josh. Excited. From Yeah, absolutely. From a high level, what does Play Louder do? By the way, you're on the web at playlouder.com. Yeah, so Play Louder is like, it's a, it's a blog and, uh, primarily that I started after I left my, my previous career of owning... Uh, post-production and production companies in Los Angeles. We still, not used to, the company still exists. My partners kind of cashed me out. Um, but I wanted to switch things up, work less, basically, have more time for my family. And my wife and I came up with this cockamamie idea to just leave Los Angeles and just reinvent our life um, so that we could do just that, work less and have more family time. And part of that was starting this blog, Play Louder, which is a place where I just kind of download all of my, you know, lifetimes worth of financial information, investing information, real estate information, uh, you know, business development information to any and all who are interested in it. And, you know, I'm making my part, I work part time now, which is awesome. And I, and I make my living actually providing that information to businesses and higher net worth individuals uh, for a fee, of course, but uh, anyone who's interested can go there and check it out. <clears throat> so it sounds like your superpowers are all around the money side of business, yeah? Yeah, well, that's one of them. I, I was kind of, I like to, I like to think of myself as multi-talented, Josh. Um, <laughs> but uh, in my what I what I did and when I when I owned the businesses, well, part of it was managing all the money and all the finances. But I did kind of the business side of the business. So I also dealt with the sales and marketing. I did all the branding for the companies. I did, you know, client relations. I was always dealing with the clients. I'd do the sales and then I'd, I'd manage all the project managers. So I did quite a bit there, uh, but I didn't do the actual work that we sold, which in post-production is like editing and mm. graphic design, animation, visual effects, color correction, that sort of stuff. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so it, I also see that you do, um, is, do, you provide fractional CFO services? I do. Yeah. So what ended up happening, I wasn't exactly sure uh, what we're, what I was going to be doing. And, you know, we're, we've been fans of the fire movement. You're familiar with the fire oh, movement, yeah. financial <laughs> independence, retire early. Right. Uh, so we had this idea that we could, we could kind of get there. We had really been, you know, working hard, saving money, investing all the things that I champion on my website and, mm -hmm. and it was working. Um, but at the same time, I'm a practical person. Uh, and I always like to, you know, I like to uh, hope for the best plan for the worst, so to speak. So I wasn't comfortable doing, you know, trying to be fully retired, but I was like, if we can just make enough income to kind of cover our expenses, that's my version of, you know, semi-retired where I, I don't feel like I need to save money anymore per se. But uh, in, in, in making the sleep, I wasn't exactly sure how I was going to fill in that, that little bit of income gap. And, but what happened was that my partners said to me, Hey, well, 
you know, you, you've been uh, doing the fight. I mean, you've done, you do a lot of things, obviously, and we have to figure out how to re- replace you. But one of the things only you really had your head in for so long is the finances and, and managing the money and dealing with our credit lines and loans and equipment leases and all that. And they're like, can we, what if we just pay you, you know, to just keep doing that from afar? Cause you could do that anywhere. And I was like, yeah, I like that idea. That's a good idea. Uh, and, and, uh, so I started doing that and then, you know, other friends I'd just be talking to, I have a lot of friends that own businesses in Los Angeles, uh, like colleagues and people were like, Hey, are you, are you doing that now? Like, do you want to do that for us? Because we really need someone to manage our money. Like, you know, it's, it's been hard to find someone to fill that role. And if you don't have that kind of person as a partner in your business, um, which many people don't, a lot, a lot of partners are like, they're both creatives or they're both the product. You know, there is no like business person per se as a partner. Maybe you can go out and hire that person. Maybe you can't, depends. Um, But I could, you know, immediately see that it was a service people wanted. And then in working with my, my CPA come tax time, I think that year she was, she basically said to me, oh, so you're like a part-time CFO now. That makes sense. You're really good at this. And uh, you're better than most of the CFOs that I'm wor- I work with, you know, that are part-time. And I was like, oh, I guess I am part-time CFO. And, and it kind of just happened organically. And there was my new consulting business. Yeah, excellent. Um, so uh, for for those who are in business, at, at what point does it make sense to start bringing in that financial help? Immediately, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, to me, the numbers, uh, like just, I used to do my own, it all started with me doing my own bookkeeping for myself personally, like literally getting out of college um, or towards the end of college, I was going into debt, you know, student loans and all that. And I, and I was like, gosh, you know, I really just need to get some sort of handle on my income and expenses. Um, mm-hmm. Simple as that. So I was literally writing it down in a notebook uh, at the time. This is, you know, 97 ish, 96, 97. And I was like, wow, this is really tedious. <laughs> there must be some computerized way to do this. And there was. I So I started using Quicken, which I still use today. And it's funny. I, you know, I just naturally basically taught myself first bookkeeping, you know, and then sort of accounting. Um, and I, I used to think of myself as the business of me, you know, uh, and, and, uh, I needed to make more than I spent and try to, you know, have a successful business, which would be my my life. Um, but then when we started the business, I just did all the books, you know, uh, because well, one, we didn't, you know, have money to hire someone, or we we didn't want to spend the money to hire someone, and it was something I really like to be close to the numbers as a business person um, because they tell the story of what's going on, you know. Um, I mean, it's it's firsthand, and it's what I what I always say to my clients is. It's, it's, of course, good to look at, you know, when you do bookkeeping and, and you look at the results, you're looking at the past, you know, um, and that's good. You want to look at the past, but you also need to be very seriously concerned with the immediate future. Um, and so beyond sort of bookkeeping, where I get a little bit more into the CFO thing is looking at what the company is doing, how it's going, and then projecting one, what might happen um, and how we'll, how we'll react in that scenario. And, and then, you know, maybe some other scenarios and how we'll deal with that. And one of the 
you know, original or initial things I'll do with the new client, because a lot of times they don't have any of this set up is, you know, I give them basically income targets for their business. You know, I'm, I'm like, you as a business owner, you're busy, you know, you're doing things, you're doing sales, you're, you know, so it's like, you need a quick way to just kind of know, how am I doing this month? Am I making it happen? You know, am I going to end up like in a cash flow shortage or something like that? So I, for myself, when I was in business, as I got more in tune with finance and understanding the ebbs and flows of it and, 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 my, and knowing my business, I figured out kind of quick ways to just so based on revenues that I could kind of quickly, you know, add up on a, on a weekly basis, like, how am I doing? Am I going to make it? You know, am I going to cover my, my general costs? Am I going to cover my overhead? Am I going to have a cash flow surplus or, or am I going to have a cash flow crunch, you know, come the end of the month or maybe two months out from now? And so that was, that, that was something that was super helpful to me and something that, you know, is very helpful, I think, to my clients that I kind of set up when I started working with them and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I just kind of taught myself and it's really, I just wanted, I just wanted to, you know, it's my, my neuroses of, you know, making sure I'm, I'm doing everything right. I just wanted to really be on top of it. And some people will tell you, you know, don't do your own books, you know, don't waste the time. It's not worth it. I totally understand that. And, and I think there probably does come a point where you're too busy. And, and that came, that came for me too. I ended up hiring, uh, assistants that helped me kind of do all the busy work of the books, but, but once a week I would sit down and, and I would look at them, you know, and I would study them and see what's going on. And you also can figure out not only are you making enough money, but you can figure out a lot of ways to save money. You know, there's a lot of ways as your company starts to grow, you find that there's just a lot of waste in there. There's things that you set up that you, you kind of forget about, and then you don't eventually need anymore, but you're still paying for, you start, you know, doing a lot of one thing and you can maybe negotiate better deals with vendors, you know, may, and, mm -hmm. and one of the more important things is realizing in our business, we use a lot of freelancers, but at some point it becomes advantageous to hire full-time employees and replace the freelancers. Um, and you kind of have to know when that is. And, and that's yeah. actually always a big, a tough thing for in my clients. And even for me, it's like, when do I hire the full next full-time person? When am I comfortable doing that? You know, right. like I don't want to do it and then regret it and then have to let them go. You know, am I there yet? And you really can only know, I feel like by, by, well, one of, one of the major components is, is looking at the numbers. So yeah, they've always been important to me. Yeah. Joe, um, on, on that note, uh, are, are there any rules of thumb? Obviously there is, you know, do they fit the definition of an independent contractor or not? But let's say that, yeah, I mean, technically they could still be an independent contractor, but at what point as a business, do you want to say, Hey, look, I would like for you to be a full-time employee and said, like, what would be the incentive there for the employer? Well, it's really, I mean, for me, it's usually in, in my business, you're paying more for freelancers, you know, um, by and large. And now Why sometimes- Help me out with the math, because I'm just, I guess I'm just kind of a little bit ignorant on that. Well, let's, let's for example, say, I don't know, a graphic designer. Um, you're paying anywhere from 500 to $600 a day which would be roughly on an annual basis, 125 to 150,000 a year if that person worked every day. You may be able to get someone if you're committing to them full time for $100,000, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but if you can't use that person, if you did, if you hired that person and you can't use them every day, um, and really still you only need, you know, a freelancer 
essentially half, you know, 100 days a year, well, it's financially beneficial to stick with the freelancer because you'll end up spending a little bit less money overall, and then you don't have an employee kind of sitting around. Now, there is a value, though, in having that extra capacity there that's kind of untapped at any given time. So I always kind of feel like if you feel like you can keep this person busy 60 to 70% of the time, um, that's usually a breaking point of where like it's worth it's worth you know committing because usually if there's someone there you can now you're kind of in the mode of like wait I have more people I have more capacity maybe I can go out and do more maybe I can take that extra job maybe I can pitch that extra service because I have you know people there ready and there is a great difference of freelance labor you know versus full time in that just the 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 peace of mind that someone's there every day and, you know, you don't have to go out and like, if something comes up, you know, last minute, you don't have to go out and just tap somebody because truth be told, a lot of the good people, particularly that work in the freelance realm, uh, you know, they're, they're booked, you know, they're booked well Mm -hmm. in advance, you know, and then you have them for a certain period of time. And what happened if your project goes over, you know, and, and you want them to stay, but they're booked somewhere else. You know, so that was always a problem I was running into with creative freelancers. Um, so there are other ways to orient your business to solve some of those problems as well. But, um, you know, it was always a little bit of a growing pain every time we hired that next full-time person. And eventually we ended up with about 30 full-time people wow. um, and the company group, you know, pretty well. And, you know, if we were really cranking, I think one year we we had some major projects as the year we did our, our series for HBO and a, and a, a few other uh, television shows we were working on. I think we had about 60 people full-time working that year. We, you know, cause there's, there's the freelancers you're working with, you know, for, I don't know, a month. Right. And then if you're doing a long project, we call them permalancers where you're not, you know, you know, eventually you're not going to need this person because they're there for a very specific job, but maybe you book them for six months because, you know, the project's going to go on for a long time. So. Yeah. Um, so uh, if someone goes to your website right now and they go to playlouder.com, um, where would they, like, who, who do you specialize in serving? Like what, what level would they be in business? I mean, where, where do they fit? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the website I have to say, I feel like is a little bit more geared towards the individual. Um, It's like people that one are just trying to commandeer their own personal finances. I look at a lot of these, I guess, methods or, you know, philosophies, they apply to people's personal lives too. And I always say to my clients, um, the owners of the businesses, I say, we have to get your personal finances in order Mm -hmm. too. You can't neglect your personal finances. You're in business to make money. And sure, your income enters your life at your business, but mm-hmm. it really doesn't mean anything until like we know you've captured it in your your actual checking account. You know what I mean? And it's real income for you because you can have a business making tons of money. But if you're if your margin, which is the amount of money that you take home, is small, what's the point of doing it? Um so the uh, so these philosophies I kind of lay out for per, for the individual on my website that isn't going to pay generally someone to manage their finances. Um, and I guess probably the place that I like to tell people to start is to think about um, I have this uh, well a bunch of articles about it and a course called uh, the Financial Independence Roadmap, and it's yeah. really just about getting your per, the business of you organized, understanding wh- where your income's coming from, understanding like how much money you're spending on, what you're spending money on, how much is left, 
and how much you need to save and how much you need to invest and how that needs to basically compound so you can get to where you want to go, you know, in a retirement sense uh, successfully, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel like what in, and as I work with more people in this sense and even writing about it and stuff, we all know we need to sort of save money, you know, and invest quote unquote, but a lot of people don't really know kind of why, you know, I mean, ultimately the reason why is because we are trying to retire or reach some sort of financial independence and yeah. whether you think about it that way or not, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that will come, that day will come where you want, you know, you want to not have to work or not have to work as much. It might come sooner, might come later, but that's really what we're saving and preparing for. And you can do the math on the whole, you know, the whole road, you know, map out the whole road and know exact, you know, if you know what your destination is. And so that's what um, I guess a lot of my content on my website is all about trying to, to achieve for people is one, figure out what your destination is first. Yeah. And then we're going to map out uh, a route for you to take to get there. Uh, but, you know, you'd be surprised. I mean, I, I kind of, what I, the way I'd describe it as is like people are on this road to retirement, but they don't know where retirement is and they don't yeah. know what road they're on. And mm. you're like, who would go on a road trip that way? Well, I guess, you know, in your twenties, you might go on a road trip that way. You might just like pick a dot on a map and go there. But, um, but even in that case, you're using a map, you know, you, you have a plan on how to get to where you're going. And most people that I run into do not, they do not have that plan in place. So it's worked for me, you know, it's something that I was always doing instinctively. I I guess it's just something of interest to me and it's paid off. And then people started asking me, well, you know, how'd that, how'd that come to be? How'd you figure all that? And uh, now I'm trying to tell people. Yeah. Excellent. So your website, playlouder.com. Why do you call it play louder? Well, you know, it's, it's truth be told, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. The reason I have the domain play louder is for the reasons of SEO. I went looking for a domain that w- existed, you know, previously that had some SEO juice. That's the that's the God's honest truth. Now I wasn't sure though if I could really use it, and my wife and I kind of pondered this for a while, and we were not even maybe going to use it in the end. But I don't know one night just after thinking about it, we were thinking about like, what's, what's a kind of a slogan? What's like, what, what are we, what are we trying to do here? We're trying to like, you know, give people or help people have the opportunity to have more of the play side of their life and less of the work side, you know, when the time comes and we came up with work smarter, plan better, play louder. Mm. And we were like, Holy moly. I think, I think it was actually kind of fate that, 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 that domain found us. And uh, because it really has been, the perfect expression of what we're trying to do. But that is the truth. Even with the domain, I was planning ahead. I was like, I got to (laughs) figure out what this SEO is all about. I don't want to screw this up. And uh, my research and readings led me to that approach. Awesome. Joe DeSanto in Tampa, playlouder.com. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. Now, if you've got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. Now, if you do that, tag us with the hashtag upmyinfluence. 
Each month, we scour Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. We pick one winner from each platform, and you get crowned king or queen of that social media. Now, what do you win? Well, we're going to promote you and your business to over 120,000 social media fans, totally free. Now, can you also hook us up? Now, in your podcast player right now, please give us a thumbs up or a rating and review. We promise to read it all and take action. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. Your feedback helps us fulfill that mission. And while you're at it, hit that subscribe button. You know why? Tomorrow, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. 15 minutes a day. Now, my name's Josh Elledge. Let's connect on the socials. You'll find all the stuff we're doing at upmyinfluence.com. Now, thanks for listening, and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement. Mm-hmm.